official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Demi. I'm not with Sulaiman today, but I'm with somebody that is basically like Sulaiman in the form of Justin. Justin, what is your life and how is it going with Arsenal? Yeah, we're just like Sulaiman. Like we're spitting images of each other, um, identical twins, him and I. But no, I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, really appreciate being on the podcast with you today, Bori. I'm a little sad that you didn't even talk about Arsenal. I did ask you how Arsenal is. Are you just trying to... Uh, yeah, I'm here for to talk soccer. I'm here to talk football. Um, I'm not here for the Arsenal roast. Um, <laughs> but it's inevitable. So well, I'm sure we'll get to it. I'm sure we can talk about my gunners um, for better or for worse. Yeah, correct. And on a sad note, um, today is the 25th of November. And this is the day that a huge, huge soccer or football, uh, I would say almost a god, honestly, uh, uh, died, unfortunately, of a cardiac arrest. Uh, Diego Maradona, um, unfortunately, lost his life today. And um, everyone has been saying all these crazy and awesome and, you know, great things that he's done. Um, and, and Justin, we're, we're young enough to not remember because when, we, when, when he was playing, we weren't born, um, unfortunately, but we have seen his highlight reels and we can, we can see and understand why people say Maradona was, is arguably one of the best players ever to have played this game. Um, and it's just really sad to hear that, that he's lost his life. So, you know, at 60 years old, um, Justin, what, what are your remarks and, and what do you think about Diego Maradona? Yeah, it's uh, tragic, um, especially for him to die at the age that he did. Um, he, you know, like you said, uh, we were both too young to appreciate and watch him when he was actually uh, playing, especially in his um, wonder years at Napoli. But um, his highlights speak for themselves. And you get, it's a player that like you can see his highlights. Um, I think about like uh, the World Cup game against England, um, his famous run. And that's the sort of like that playing style and that like ferocity, uh, that control of the ball. It's like a, you could see him flourishing in today's game as well, despite his um, his short stature, which I think actually is like even more credit to him because of that. Um, obviously, he was uh, a wild man on the pitch as well as off of it. Um, and, you know, we could speculate for days about how that might have contributed to his passing. But I think today, all of the outpouring of and the tributes and the um, you know, um, honoring his legacy. I think that's the appropriate response. And I think uh, that kind of speaks towards how great of a player he was as well, is to see like how um, the outpouring of uh, grief uh, that you're seeing in Italy as well as in Argentina um, today. Yeah, I was uh, watching uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, uh, Jamie Carragher. Uh, he was mentioning how um, back in the day, uh, you know, football was a different it was very physical and, and for a player like Diego Maradona to flourish in that kind of environment and do the things he's doing now that, that basically we see Messi do, um, in, you know, some flashes of, of that from Messi. Um, it's crazy that he was able to do all that stuff in, um, it, you know, in a time when people would just slide tackle and that wasn't even a yellow card. So it, it's really, it, it's really awesome to, to just hear that, that people talk about that. Um, but, um, the, fourth official soccer podcast tribute. And, and this is something I usually do, which is I usually do random facts. 
Um, I, I have a few facts here for Maradona that I'm, I'm just going to just let our listeners know. Uh, and the first of which is uh, obviously Maradona played for Argentina. Um, he, he played, appeared for them 91 times and scored 34 goals. Um, most of his, his uh, appearance was actually for Napoli, which obviously is a touchy subject for me because it, it's a team in Syria. Um, and, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, Justin, that you know, a lot of people not in, in Naples are, are actually doing candlelight vigil for him. Um, so so very, very huge, huge player for Napoli because uh, believe it or not, he actually was the key contributor to Napoli's only two Serie A trophies that they won, um, which is, you know, I did not even know that. Um, they, they, won, they won the Serie A when he was playing for them, which, which is not surprising, honestly. Um, and uh, in 2000, uh, FIFA was trying to award the best player of the century so the last century which was the 1900s um and they they had to actually give it to two people because they realized you know they had like they couldn't insult both of them and i'm sure you know who those, those two are it's Pele and maradona um they both won the play of the century the fifa play of the century um and then uh bring it back to to syria um paolo maldini and franco baresi uh, who are arguably one of the two best defenders this game has ever seen uh, said that Diego Maradona was the hardest player they had, hardest player they ever had to play against. Which again, for for people defenders like that to say that, uh, it, you can tell that he was a nightmare to them. And uh, finally, good news, you know, the I mean, it's not set in stone yet. I mean, they've not done it yet. But uh, what we're hearing now is that they are going to rename the Sao Paulo Stadium, which is Napoli Stadium, to the Diego Armando Maradona slash Sao Paulo Stadium which is obviously makes sense because again, for a player that, that won you your only two uh, Serie A trophies, I think it's definitely worth um, uh, the rename. So great player, uh, he'll, be de- he'll definitely be, be missed. I mean, I mean, you can tell in our voices and, and the way we're sounding, um, even though we didn't watch him play, you can tell that um, he meant a lot to us. And wow, I almost forgot to mention this last fact. Uh, he scored the famous hand of God, um, in which he actually, <laughs> He called it the hand of God, which is right. I, I've seen the, the highlights. I just never watched it in, in in real life. So, so yeah, our tribute to to Maradona. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with the the family of of the Maradona, and and we hope that you know they they're able to console themselves in in this um in this um moment of of sadness. Uh, but but let's move on, and uh, you know, let's talk about you know before the the league the league games came back there was the international break um and justin from talking to you earlier and, and at work and just you know on the phone and, and when we text i noticed that um you you have a very uh, different take of the international games like i do um and kind of wanted to discuss that um and uh yeah justin what do, do you think the uh, international games should be abolished and, and what are your thoughts in general about the international games during the pandemic Right. So, like you said, I know we have a difference of opinion on this subject. And just to be clear, like when we're talking about the international schedule, um, I'm concerned about the workload that is being put on the players' bodies, um, both through travel, uh, fatigue, risk of injury. Um, and now during the pandemic, we're looking at players, seemingly every single international break, uh, coming down with COVID. 
Um, and you know, we here we are the day before American Thanksgiving, um, and you can think about how desperately the American CDC Center uh, for Disease Control has been trying to discourage people from traveling all over the country to visit their families, um, and like good luck with that. But the reasoning behind that advice um, is because you're when you ever during a pandemic such as this one. You take people from all over the country, all different like you know areas. Um, the virus may be uh, more widespread in some areas than in others. Uh, some areas need to be uh, locked down more stringently than others. Uh, but whenever you have a period of time where there's a great mixing of people from all these different areas that are coming together, congregating in one place uh, for a period of time before you know once again heading off in their separate directions, going back to wherever they came from, uh, that is just like, you cannot ask for a more likely vector of spreading a virus far and wide than that. Um, and I kind of look at that and I think about like, you know, uh, one, we're talking about Thanksgiving, uh, people just want to go see their families. We're doing this with professional soccer players, having them do the same thing every, you know, every other month at this point to go have added risk of exposure from going from all over Europe, all over the world, uh, traveling across international boundaries, taking flights, congregating, eating in like the team canteen with like their team, their national teammates from different leagues, from different areas of the world. And uh, it's a lot of mixing and a lot of risk, added risk of spreading a virus. And I'm thinking beyond just like uh, the, 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 in terms of how it impacts the game and how it impacts the players, but how it impacts just, um, wider society, like having these players uh, have that put themselves at risk and then put others at risk uh, after they leave from the international break. So um, I, I hear you, but uh, so what I'm trying to understand from what you're saying is, are you saying that the international game should not happen at all at this time? Or uh, what, what would you say should be, will be a solution to, to this situation? I think at this time, that would be the, um, that would be the responsible thing to do, would be to clear the international calendar, um, especially when it comes to friendlies, when it comes to meeting, games that really do not have an impact. I know like, you know, there, there's a lot of, we're gonna, you know, briefly mention the, like, you know, for instance, the United States, um, you know, they missed the last World Cup. It's This is like a crucial rebuilding period for the team and they have a lot of young talent. Um, it's very exciting for them and like, but they need to get those players together. Like they need to get them in the same system. They need to get them to you know, get used to each other and get used to the coaches um, strategies. But um, there's, there's things bigger than football at this time uh, in our history. And I think uh, as long as this pandemic um, is ravaging society and as long as this as long as we don't have a, a virus readily available I mean I'm, I'm sorry a vaccine uh, readily available for distribution um, I don't think it's it's responsible for us to be like expecting our like these players to go and play these international friendlies or really like any of the national team games um, but I don't think that applies beyond the pandemic I, like I know there's a wider argument against a lot of these international games um, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not so worried about that. You know, like the, the injuries is from international play. Like that's a different conversation altogether. But as far as the pandemic is concerned, I don't think we should be having these international games now. Yeah, 
I I agree with you to an extent, but I, I still I believe that they should have international games. And here's why. Because, you know, I personally think like, okay, if Chelsea had to travel to Manchester to go play Manchester United, for example, there it's the same thing. I mean, not to it, it's different logistics. I, I understand that. But I think generally, I think people should take care and wear masks. Like for example, we had Salah, Mohammed Salah, who went to his brother's wedding, which I'm not I think he should have gone to his brother. What I think he should have gone, um, but I think they should have encouraged mask masks wearing. And I don't think I don't. I'm not saying mask is is the cure to prevent uh, COVID, but at least I, I believe that the research and what scientists have said is it reduces the the spread um, of COVID. And so, have it seen somebody a, a, a football player like Salah, you know, um, uh, with his mask off dancing in the midst of a bunch of people? doesn't send a good, you know, uh, the right message. Uh, also, we've had, I mean, you've heard this, uh, I think England was trying to play Iceland in Iceland and you had, I think Phil Foden and, and one other England player um, invite friends over uh, to their hotel, which was breaking the rule and they had to get sent back home, that kind of thing. So like, it, it's, COVID is everywhere, right? So, so the, the thing is, are these people responsible enough to take care uh, and they have, you know, they have testing all the time and they have all, you know, all the other things. And we've had break breakouts from in, in teams, you know, like in like uh, Napoli in the beginning of the season. Uh, I think Marcel or, or another team or Nice had, had a breakout also where a lot of their, you know, players were had COVID-19. My, my point of saying this is, yes, I understand that this season is so weird and, and the 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 fixtures are so congested, but uh, at the same time, I don't think international games should be banned just because I see it as just any other game. Like during the Champions League, like Champions League was played today, you had, you know, Real Madrid travel all the way to San Siro in, in Milan in Italy. And that's like they're crossing international, uh, they're crossing, you know, country borders to get to those places. So it's, it's the same thing as if Cruz was in Real Madrid and had to go to Germany to play a game for Germany. I, I just, I see it as the same thing. So that's why I don't think they should. I think there should be more stricter, like there should be more strict rules around how players conduct themselves. I'm not trying to blame players here, but sometimes I don't see them with masks. I'm like, well, you're not sending the right tone. You have to wear masks until you're, you get to feel that you're playing. That's when you should take up your masks. So I think, I think, uh, I, you know, I think they could do better, uh, but I don't think we should cancel. And, and let's not forget, if they if they say let's stop the international games now, um, then there's nothing for us to watch in, in the summer. So maybe I'm being selfish here. But the other thing is also, I agree with you, friendlies should not be a thing. I don't know why people, people play friendlies. Play friendlies amongst yourselves. You know, that that friendlies should not be played. I agree. But the Nations League, the African, the, the, World Cup, the African World Cup qualifiers or the African uh, Nations Cup, qualifier should be played i believe that should be played uh it, it's a tough situation we can't there's nothing we can do but i believe if people are already playing the clubs then international games should be playing and we should not blame the pandemic and that's how i feel about the situation let's move on to the champions league uh today's wednesday so the, the last few games uh, of round four of the champions league was played today but we want to just focus our attention on on two two big games that happened today uh, on wednesday and, and that is the inter milan and madrid game um, Justin, uh, this is such a weird game for me because, you know, this is a, I would say, you know, a, a Madrid that does not have Benzema and, and Ramos uh, playing against a, a full team 
of, of Inter Milan and, and still they weren't able to, to get the win at home in Milan. Uh, it's such a disgrace and, and, and I just, I mean, I, I feel bad saying this because that, they're a team from, from Serie A. Uh, what do you think, what's your takeaway from that game? Okay, first of all, let's be clear. You don't feel that bad. We're gonna, we're gonna okay, all right, fine, fine. I don't I've feel seen bad. You in, your, in your Milan jersey. I don't feel I don't bad. I think you feel that bad. But um, my takeaway, though, to answer your question is um, I, so as someone who has not seen a ton of Serie A this season, um, I was extremely unimpressed with what I saw from this inter squad. Um, you know, I think we need to talk about, obviously, um, Vidal's, Arturo Vidal's dismissal um, and whether that, like, that's controversial. Um, we can talk about that, but, like, frankly, before he was sent off the field, uh, he wasn't doing a, a whole heck of a lot anyways. He was not looking great. He, uh, he shanked a shot, like, <laughs> horribly. Uh, you know, something that you would see uh, on a schoolyard, maybe, from yeah. someone getting a little too excited. Um <laughs> So I, I was not very impressed with this uh, inter-squad from what I saw. Um, and frankly, I, I was like, uh, uh, to extend it though, I also wasn't terribly impressed by the Madrid side either because I thought they had a lot of opportunities to like really turn the screws and um, kind of blow out Inter, especially given the red card in the first half. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, Real Madrid was not, like they had natural playing center back. I mean, honestly, like I expected them up from, from Inter Milan. I thought they were going to actually you know, win, maybe it will be narrowly, but uh, you had Hazard, you know, scoring a goal, uh, albeit a penalty. Um, and, and talking about Vidal's, I mean, Vid, I mean, come on. I mean, okay, first of all, I'm not a fan of English refs, but there's no way that's a red card. Like, there's no way that that is, those are two yellow cards. I mean, yes, maybe he has, he cussed at him or or maybe he said some some bad words about his his mother or something like that. But come on, that that's just a one yellow card incident. And then you know if he comes in and tackles somebody in the future, then then you give him another yellow card and give him a red card. There's no way. And I'll be curious to see if if they can repeat the words that that Vidal said. But there's no way that that is a two yellow card incident for me. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so without knowing what was said, um, I think who was the co- the the referee again? It was, it was Anthony Taylor. Right? Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, it's Anthony Taylor. Um, who, as an Arsenal fan, I have some thoughts on him anyways, but um, he, uh, I think the situation that he found himself in was like, whatever it was that Vidal said, you know, we can speculate, uh, but it must've been something pretty bad to get him to show the first yellow card. Um, And at that point, if you watch it, like Vidal does come back at him and actually does like, you know, with his head lowered, comes up into him. Um, And I don't know if there's contact, but like, obviously Vidal came at him with like, yeah. intent to intimidate and at that point if you're already gonna give the first yellow card for dissent mm-hmm. um and then the player escalates it even further beyond that mm-hmm. then i can see how a referee in like the heat of the moment um you know the net like if you're gonna be consistent like that's got to be a second yellow card this player is like behaving even worse than he was for the first yellow uh but i agree with you like it kind of ruins it ruins the game and yeah. you, you could make an argument that referee need to have thicker skins. Um, again, I don't know what Vidal said, but I, and I do know that for a fact that he did come at uh, Anthony Taylor with, you know, with, like I said, intent to intimidate, uh, but it's a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a shame for Vidal. It's a shame for like 
that the that they that becomes the storyline of the game and yeah. not the fact that inter was not playing so great even before that let's actually take it back to to what was wrong with inter, inter milan um first mm-hmm. of all yeah after that red card which was i think was in 30 something uh minutes um if i'm not wrong um they i think they kind of went into a back four um and that's the problem with Conte, and I've, something I've always mentioned on the podcast, the problem with Conte is he always, always plays one system, which is the 3-5-2 formation. No matter what op- opponents he has, no matter what players he has, which is the detriment of Inter Milan, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and the detriment of, of, of Conte, really. This is why I don't like him as a coach, when, especially when he was linked with Milan. He plays only one formation, which is easy to figure out. All you need is just to press on the, the, the flanks, the wing backs. Um, and and don't give them space. And then suddenly, like, you can plow through the middle and, and beat them. Um, but the problem is when Vidal got that red card, then he suddenly, he switched, I think, in the second half to a four in the back. And the players looked so confused. They didn't even know what was going on. It felt like they had not played this formation before, um, which I mean, I'm sure they probably have, but they've not played it a lot of times because Ponte plays the, whole, the same three in the back, and yes, they looked threatening a little bit because they were playing because they thought they could score at least a goal and get the game back on. But but honestly, like that that is the problem with Inter Milan. It's just this one system they play. The fact that they play like they're robots and they only play one system it, it is their problem. And, and when it comes to times when they have to be dynamic, and I think that that's where you see a lot of the problems that that Inter Milan has. The players don't know what to do. They get confused. Like they get conflicting things from from the people on the field versus what Conte says. So I think personally that that's what's wrong with Inter Milan. I think they like, personally, I think they need to get rid of of Conte. That's very hard to do because Conte Conte gets like 12 million a season. And I think he has what, two more, one after this year, the next year, uh, one more more year in the contract, which means they will have to pay him the remaining, uh, which, which will be a loss. So they kind of have to keep him. But this team is a good team. You have Barella, you have Lukaku, you have Lautaro Martinez, you have Bastoni, you have all these great players. And the fact that they can't even win a game in the Champions League group stage against teams like Daniel Kiev, against teams like uh, Gladbach. Come on, come on. At, at some point, you just have to like say like this team, this team needs to get, get rid of the coach. But with the financials, it, it's not possible, unfortunately. And and I can't think of any other coach that will come in to... to I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe Allegri will be the 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 other option, but but that is a problem with Inter Milan uh, right now. But good to see Hazard score a goal for Madrid. I think he's now scored three goals in all competitions for Madrid this year, I believe, um, if I'm not wrong, which is very you know unlike Hazard, um, you know coming from from the EPL. But let's move on to uh, the Liverpool Atalanta game. Um, I didn't really watch it. I, I just watched the last twenty minutes. I was watching the Inter Milan game. Um, but good to see Salah back and Atlanta was able to get two goals back after losing 5-0. Um, the reason why I'm talking about this game is it seems like Atlanta has dropped in form drastically from, from their last season and, and beginning of the season. Uh, but they lost 5-0 in the, you know, in the uh, other leg of this game, which is at home, which is really sad to see. Um, but um, Justin, I, I kind of just want to also move on to the groups to watch. It seems like there are three groups right now that we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we can have our guesses, 
but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So let's start with Group B. Group B is the group that has the, the Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Gladbach, and Shakhtar Donetsk. Right now, um, Gladbach is leading with eight points, and Real Madrid climbed up all the way from, from last position to, to have seven points. Um, my question to you, Justin, is given what we have right now and given that there are two games left, what is your hunch? And who do you think will be the two teams that will get out of this group? Um, great question. Um, I think you have to, I mean, you have to give one of those two spots, um, to Zidane and his guys, you know, like they seem to be coming together a little bit more, um, especially in European play. So I think, um, and given their history in this competition, you have to give one of those spots to Madrid. Um, and then the other one, I think, you know, I don't think we can go any further in this podcast without, calling out um, forward for Gladbach and FIFA 15 legend, uh, Briel Mbolo for his uh, over-the-head bicycle kick that he had for their third goal today. Uh, and he was playing like lights out up until then, like the whole game. But like that goal, obviously, like, you know, you can't get better than that. Uh, if you're going to get on the score sheet, that's, that's the way to do it. Um, having watched the highlights from that game, uh, I don't see how Shakhtar is going to be able to catch uh, Madrid and Gladbach. So I, I think it was, I think it's going to be those two. Uh, though I, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm going to give Madrid winning the group, um, followed by Gladbach. Wow. And I, I, Inter. I think Inter might be dead in the water here, in as far as uh, Champions League is concerned. Do you think they would get the third spot for Europa League? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that, I mean, it's, it's I, inter. I guess it's just, I, I, I just, you know, you, you laid out, you know, you've stated the case against Conte uh, very effectively, I think. Um, and I know you, you're very familiar with that, with, with him as a manager. Um, but I still think, you know, he's, he's a manager of renown. Uh, inter, like you said, they have so much talent on that squad. Um, yeah. I think I'll give it to them. I think that they can they'll at least get finished third. Before I speak too far, there's also a chance that Inter Milan can still qualify, just so you know. They just have to win their next two games and hope that Gladbach and Shakhtar Donetsk don't win their next two games, uh, which is a path that could happen. And honestly, to be honest, I would not be surprised if actually that happens. Um, but, but that said, I do think I do have Inter as third place in this team, uh, in this group, and going on to the uh, Europa League. And it'll be nice to see if we can play them in the finals of the Europa League. Um, that's, I'm also calling, I'm calling out now that Milan is going to go to the final. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. Um, but let's move on to Group D. Group D has Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta. Those are the, really the three uh, teams that are left, that are vying for the top two spots. Um, I think it's probably very clear here. I'm going to give my, my top two. I think Liverpool and Atalanta will actually advance from this group. Um, but uh, Justin, what do you think will happen? Um, I'm leaning the same way right now. Um, though I, I think it's this is clearly to me, uh, I think the most observers, this is the most exciting group. Uh, I kind of knew it going into this competition. At least that's what I, my thinking was with uh, these three teams, Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta, all of them, obviously, like, 
performed phenomenally last year. All of them also play very exciting style of football. Um, so this group is not disappointing. I, I think I'm, I'm leaning the same way as you, though, with uh, Liverpool and Atalanta. The final group we want to talk about in the Champions League is the Manchester United, PSG, and RB Leipzig, and the Shakhtar uh, group. Um, it's, also, it's also looking very interesting there uh, with United leading with nine points and PSG and RB Leipzig uh, both have six points. Um, who are the two you have in mind that will go ahead? Um, that's a good question too. Uh, this is actually, I think this is the toughest one for me. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think we should spend some time talking about like how wildly different Manchester United and some of the other teams in this competition too, like, uh, I'm thinking about like Barcelona, Manchester city, um, Atletico kind of going the other way, but like, there's a big like disparity in the form in champions league versus their domestic competitions. So you look at Man United and they're like not particularly, have not been particularly convincing for most of the season. But at the same time, they st- seem to be starting to fire off now. Um, you see Bruno Fernandez, he's coming good. Uh, so I think Man United will be, is, is going to be able to clear this group. Uh, and then, you know, you, you want to say PSG, you know, they pr- did so admirably in this competition last year. Um, and then after Project Restart, but... Leipzig. I don't see them beating Man United in the in the return leg, so I'm going to say Man United and PSG are going to clear this group. Yeah, to be honest, I'm just like you. I don't know. This is a very tough one, uh, but actually, I'm going to give it to United and Leipzig. Actually, just oh, because okay. I think PSG has had a very ho- they're going to have a very horrible season just because they have injuries and they lost Thiago Silva. Um, uh, they've been playing like out of their skin, kind of if that makes sense. Like, it feels like they're not the same people. It feels like they're playing decoys or they're playing lookalikes on the field. Even Mbappe is not even performing as much as I thought he would. Um, So I think that's going to come back to hunt them. And um, I think Leipzig is just going to scrape past. And let's not forget, PSG played, beat Leipzig yesterday, but they only scored one goal. And and that they they weren't really convincing. Um, And so, so I think Leipzig may surprise United, if that's possible. I don't know. Um, but, but I think Leipzig also will beat Bishak here. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, again, to be honest, this is the toughest group to kind of analyze. I, I can't really tell you what's going to go on. Um, yeah. and as to why United is, not, is doing well in the Champions League and not doing well in the uh, group, I, I can't tell you. I, maybe it's a mentality <laughs> phase. I mean, th- maybe, th- I mean, obviously it's a different league. It's different uh, speed and, and tactics that they have to kind of approach the game. Um, so, so to be honest, PSG has not been great. Leipzig has not been great this season. I mean, even though in their respective groups, uh, uh, leagues, in, in their home leagues, they're doing very well. But when it comes to the, the Champions League, they're not it seems like they're, they're struggling with the pace of the game with from Manchester United, and maybe that's why United is doing so much better than them. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I can't really tell you what's really going. I think United, you know, everyone knows how to play against United in England. And when it comes to international like games where they play with other clubs from other uh, countries, then it becomes a different, like it's, it's all about like, okay, who can run faster or who can run outrun the other. And, and, I think United has the pace more than not any of these teams. So I, I think that's what's going on there. But, um, you know, we can say the same for, for Liverpool too. It's different mentality, honestly. 
Yeah. Um, do you think that that applies for, you know, teams, like I said, uh, like Man City, you know, Man City, top of their group, Group C, I mean, 10 goals for, one against, four so wins, killing it. And then you look at them, you know, we, we talk about this weekend and we will, but uh, just in general, Man City and EPL has been a little lethargic. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's be real. You, you can't talk about Manchester City. They're playing Porto, Olympiacos, Marseille. I mean, you can't compare these teams with Manchester. They, they are. This is an easy group. If, if I'll put it that way, maybe let, let me put it nicely like that. It's an easy group. They don't have any challenge in this group, and the the, the way the table reflects right now, where Manchester is number one, they've won all four games, makes sense to me. Um, I don't think there's a surprise there, but. Um, but I guess you could say that why are they playing so bad and losing to teams like Tottenham, and I think they lost to a what a small team. I can't remember the teams they've lost to in the EPL. But but I, I don't know. I think you know Massey, and I guess this is our our EPL review. But Massey is is very interesting. They they've been injury ridden, especially in the front line. You know Gabriel Jesus just came back. Uh, Aguero is just starting to come back and playing a few minutes here and there. Uh, Sterling is on and off. Um, and then De Bruyne was injured, I think, for just a few weeks, but but now he's right. back and, and he's getting back his form. Um, if you think about last season, De Bruyne was the key to 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 Massey winning, or not winning, getting the, the second place in, in the in the league. Um, but if you notice, De Bruyne is not playing that well this season. And it's one of those things where, like, you perform one season and then the next season you kind of relax just because you've you know, you've you've worked so hard in the last season, and it's hard to kind of continue it. And that's why we praise people like Diego Maradona. We play praise people like Messi and Ronaldo because they do it. You know, every season. Um, so so with Jesus not playing too well and, and injured, um, Aguero just come back from injury. Also, you know, they don't have a nine. They don't have a nine. They don't have a nine that will convert all the Kevin De Bruyne goals. So Kevin De Bruyne has to do both the assist and the scoring at the same time. And you don't have players that can convert these goals. So, which is unfortunate. Um, I have a question for you is like, you know, we can uh, criticize Man City for their loss this weekend, but, um, and this is going to be very painful for me to say as an Arsenal fan, but what are your thoughts on this Spurs side? Classic Mourinho. Um, I am a huge fan of Mourinho. I mean, because he did the trouble with Inter Milan, you know, a decade ago now. I mean, yes, it was back in the day, but come on. Mourinho is one of the best coaches ever to coach this game. Um, and he's playing the way sports play is, is the Mourinho way, where they sit back and then hit their opponents on the counter. Um, that's really it. There's nothing to it. It's boring. People say it's boring. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if he's getting the results, if he's number one on the league, no one can really say it's boring because he's getting the results that he needs to. Now, can they keep it up to the end of the season? I don't know. I, to be honest, I can't tell you. I don't know if things will fall apart. Um, but but I can see that this team is playing the Marina way where they are able to absorb all the attacks and absorb all the shots and everything and then hit people on the counter, which which is which is the way they've gotten to where they are right now. Um, it also helps that Ndombele is playing very well. I can see that he's mended his relationship with uh, with Jose Mourinho because there was a rumor that he was who is not you know on good terms with Mourinho. Um, and and maybe that's true or maybe that's not. I, I don't know. But but he's playing very well. He's playing like the player that they signed, the top class player. 
um, and and he's he's very crucial in that midfield, uh, especially going forward to 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 this team. And uh, obviously, Kane. Uh, you, I I mean, uh, you you put here that he's playing as a false nine. I mean, he's he he's dropping deeper and basically pushing the ball forward for Big Bergvain and Lucas Mora and so on to basically go attack and run against defenders. Which is which is hey. Maybe he'll get figured out soon, but maybe Marino will. But it's working for him right now, and he, he's number one in the league. I, I mean, come on. you have. To, I know you're an Arsenal fan, but you have to give Spurs and Marino some credit here. Uh, you're right, I do, and that I hate it. <laughs> I hate that I do, but you're right. I mean, um, not only is it like a, a, a Spurs animosity for me, but also I was one of those people who believed, um, especially in the, you know his past – couple 10 years um, in the EPL, uh, I thought Moo was washed up. I actually thought Mourinho, like, you know, the, the game is always evolving. I thought that his style of play, his tactics, you know, uh, we we're talking about Conte, but like, we're, I think there's, uh, you know, there's a profile for all these managers. There's a way they like to play. Um, and some are more flexible than others, but Moo did not seem like he was particularly flexible in his, uh, his reading of the game and his ideology. So I thought the game had passed him by, and I thought that he kind of uh, the legend of the special one was, you know, it was fake, <laughs> or at least it was over. His time, you know, like, and he needed to either change his game or like, you know, go back to being a television pundit. Uh, but apparently, that has not been the case this season. So, um, like I said, it's painful, but yeah, Spurs are playing great right now. Um, we'll see if it keeps up. I think, you know, when we talk about which teams are going to deal best with injury bugs. I think you lose Kane uh, or you lose Son. Um, I don't know what that team looks like at that point or whether these same tactics work quite as good. Um, but at least on Saturday they did. Uh, and Mourinho won um, in another one of his famous face-offs uh, with Pep. He came out the better. I have a question to ask you, Justin. Um, uh, what's going on with Arsenal, man? What's what's going on? And I thought... I thought um, Arteta was going to be the uh, the uh, you know the pep of of, of Arsenal, but uh, doesn't look like it. So, as stands after this weekend, um, Arsenal actually sit in twelfth, which is one position above Manchester City. So, uh, Pep hasn't been Manchester City's Pep. So I don't know how you could expect Arteta to uh, transform this team overnight. Um, that being said. <laughs> This is not uh, the, the start to the season that I was hoping for, or I think any Arsenal fan was hoping for, um, especially given like how good they looked after Project Restart. Um, uh, it looked like Arteta was turning the, the ship around with them. Um, I My thoughts on this is that it's a process. I think the personnel is just like, it's not correct for this team right now. Um, I think it's impressive what Arteta's done with the defense, you know, which was like notoriously famously bad last season uh, when you had uh, a clown show with week in and week out with David Luiz and Mustafi, uh, my doppelganger uh, out there and not performing very well. Um, so they've done much better on that regard, but their offense now is like I'm missing. Um, and you, I know, and I, I, I trust Arteta. I think he has a good philosophy and I think he has a clear direction. I think he just needs time. But like I said, the personnel is not right. And um, it is a little worrisome when you see someone like William over the summer, like that's the decision 
like, you know, that's the personnel that you decide to bring in, like, that's a little bit worrying. Um, but I mean, between Willie and, well, you know, I think uh, the other winger we need to talk about though for Arsenal, and I'll actually pose the question to you because I don't want to lose my temper, but um, what about Nicola Pepe? Yeah, I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. I, I was, I was on this podcast. I, I remember when the transfer was going through, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're getting one of the best players of of Ligue 1 because I used to, you know, watch him in Ligue 1 for Lille, and he was such a tremendous player. But then he, I know he has that hot side. I've seen him lose his tempers a few times in in, in Ligue 1 uh, and have that kind of like, you know, you know, what are you looking at kind of face. Um, and it happened. It unfortunately happened. And it happened at a time where he it didn't need to do anything. Just needs to just chill and think about his team. And yes, he lost his temper uh, when he went in with the, with the head, uh, you know, against the defender or the player that he was doing that with. And, and yeah, it ultimately got the red card, which I think I thought was deserved. Um, such such a fine player that that somehow is struggling in the EPL. I don't know exactly where it is. I think it's just confidence that is the major problem here. Um, but he's such a huge talent. I I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how else he could improve. Uh, sounds like it's something that will need to change from a a, a coach point of view. I mean, he's now played under two coaches now, I believe, um, and and it's not it's not unlocked for him yet, but. It's sad to see, man, but definitely shouldn't have gone that red card. He shouldn't have gone in for that head, um, uh, but or whatever you want to call it. And, and it just unexplainable. Um, and and it, the reason why I'm saying this is because I, I hyped him up. I hyped him so much, and I thought he was – he's still, I think, a talented player, but obviously he, he's struggling right now in the EPL, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel similarly. I think I think it's undeniable that he's a massive talent. Um, I'm a little bit worried about his uh, how dynamic or how he can adjust his game for the game, uh, adjust his game rather for the EPL. Um, he loves, you know, he loves cutting inside. He loves taking on players one on one, and he's very good at it. But I think defenses have kind of figured that out about him that he loves to cut in. Uh, he favors uh, his left, but um, we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's shown flashes of what he could be and it just like, you gotta just avoid stupid mistakes. Like what happened this weekend, uh, especially when Arteta puts faith in you, finally gives you a start. And then, uh, you barely make it halfway through the game. I think that's just, uh, no good. Um, yeah. Shout out to my boy, Hector Bayer and uh, oh, yeah. I love that guy. What a player. Yeah. yeah. No, what a player. I, I love him. Uh, yeah. But uh, that's not enough. <laughs> that's not yeah. enough for this Arsenal team. Uh, enough about Arsenal, though. Um, bring me back on after they have a good game next time, okay? And then I'll, I'll be happy to record that episode. But uh, let's focus now, I think, on Serie A, and let's talk about your team. Uh, let's talk about how they did against Napoli this weekend. I mean, what a beautiful game. I mean, come on, dude. I mean... I watched that highlight like five times. I've watched that extended highlight like five times. That's how excited I am about this team. I hate rubbing your face. I know your team is not doing so hot right now, but you can't not be happy with me. Like you have to be happy with me. This is a team that 
I thought was done for 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 the next few years until we we're able to get Messi or some other huge player. But we got Ibrahimovic, and um, the run started really after the lockdown, and and we're still on that run. We've not lost a game since then, except for well in Syria, except for in the Champions League in the Europa League. Um, but against Napoli, they played so well. I mean, Napoli obviously. They're a great team, great defensive side. They have Bakayoko, believe it or not, very, very good defensive midfield in, in Syria, uh, and, and Koulibaly. Um, but even that was not enough to stop Zlatan, who scored two goals. And then uh, we have the most, one of the most exciting talents for me, at least, uh, in uh, Jans uh, Peter Hoga, um, who, who, who played against us in the Europa League qualifiers, and he scored against us and almost kicked us out of the Europa League, but then we went on to buy him um, and he, he scored the final goal. Um, such, I mean, we play the same formation 4-2-3-1, although we are dynamic. So when, you know, if we're winning the second half, we change it to a 4-3-3 sometimes or 4-4-2. Um, and, and that's one thing I like about Pioli. But this team is really a, a Zlatan team, to be honest. And now that he's injured, unfortunately, um, we're, he's going to be out for two games, two to three weeks, I think is, is what, what they were saying. Um, so I have faith in this team. I think uh, we're, you know, we're number one right now, but I don't know if that's going to last long. Um, I'm hoping that, that Inter Milan and Juve still struggle so that we can keep staying there. Um, but such, such a tremendous team. I, I mean, like the, the game has changed. With, we have pace. We have people that can cross the ball now. And that's, that's how we're able to get Slatan on the score sheet, who scored 10 goals in, in Syria right now. I mean, such amazing times for 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 AC Milan, um, and and for Napoli. I mean, I think they did very well. I think they just you know they couldn't complete their in the final third. You know, they had there was a time where they hit the bar like I think twice or something. Um, they they just couldn't finish, and they were missing Victor Semen, who's the Nigerian guy that 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 hurt his his shoulder when while he was playing for Nigerian the, the last national break. I know you're gonna give me uh, crap for that, but. Um, yeah, I, they were just missing that final, the finishing touches. I, it could have easily gone through two or, or they could have won the game, to be honest. But we, we were able to convert all our chances that we could. And, and that's how we won the game, really. And that's something we've missed for a long time. Um, and that's what Ibra brings to this team. Yeah, um, I'm happy for you, uh, truly. Because, yeah, Deus is an exciting team to watch. Um, Ibrahimovic, is, he's just, he's a constant threat. Like, I can't imagine being a defender. You know, he's been a, been that way his entire career. Here he is, uh, nearing 40, and he's still that way. Like, you, you can't be comfortable if you're a defender and you know that he's on the field lurking because he'll take a half chance, even a quarter chance, and he'll turn it into something spectacular. Um, I thought for a long time, when we talk about the current generation of uh, top talents, you know, there's obviously Messi, Ronaldo, 1A, 1B at the top, um, in that order, in my opinion. But... Uh, uh, I think Ibrahimovic is the next best player of this generation of this, like, you know, um, entering the twilight of their career uh, generation. Um, he's done it multiple leagues, many different teams, gone all over, all over the world, uh, took some time off to come to LA and then goes back to, um, you know, a big six league and kills it. And it really has transformed this uh, Milan team. So, I, like I said, I'm happy for you. Um, and hopefully Zlatan can come back soon. 
Um, let, let's really quickly just talk about Hertha, Berlin, and Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Um, just want to shout out to Mukoko who made his debut at 16, which is crazy mm-hmm. because I just think about what I was doing when I was 16 years old. I was doing nothing basically. Um, but here's a guy that is is starting for Dortmund and Haaland scoring four goals. I mean, oh my God, this guy cannot stop scoring. Um, and and the one final dig I want to give is Guendouzi uh, drawing a penalty. Uh, he was playing for Arthur Berlin, um, a former Arsenal player. Uh, not former, current, uh, although he's obviously not on great terms with the team, uh, with Arteta. That's why he was sent out this summer on loan. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that penalty call is ridiculous. Uh, I can't believe the ref was fooled by that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he got the job done. Not that it made a difference, though, because Holland is a monster. Uh, he, you know, you saw, I think he scored a brace. And the Champions League also. Yes, I do say. Um, yeah, so he's just unstoppable. I think he's something like I think he's seventeen goals in thirteen games or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, so far. So that's that too. Something. It's like insane. It's yeah. crazy. So I mean, you know, th- speaking about like transforming Arsenal, like that would be my number one player. It'd be Erling Holland at this point. Um, tremendous, tremendous talent, and it's so exciting to watch too. He's another player who like you know. I'm not sure uh, who I'd compare him to. Um, uh, who would you compare him to? I, I mean, just a goal poacher. I mean, it's hard. I mean, honestly, like a Ronaldo, to be honest, uh, just because. Brazilian Ronaldo or Cristiano? Cristiano, my bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, could, well, yeah, yeah, no, Cristiano, because Cristiano is direct uh, and Haaland is very direct. And that's the thing. He has that pace um, and Ronaldo is, is very dynamic. Uh, could be direct too, but he's also dynamic and direct. Uh, Borrano is direct, and 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 Holland is is direct. One day I will get the right spelling of Holland. I think I've been hearing people say Holland, um, which I don't know the, you know, the yeah, Holland. Yeah, Holland? I don't know, but I will, let's not embarrass ourselves further. Um, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah. If you have any Norwegians listening. But yeah, I think that's all we had for this uh, fourth official soccer podcast episode. Uh, thank you so much, Justin, for stepping in for Suleiman. Um, and for those of you that are listening, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are 4THOfficialSP on Twitter. Or, and you can also listen to the podcast on uh, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, and also Spotify. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Um, our Again, our hearts and, and prayers and thoughts are with the family of the of Diego Maradona. Um, Justin, hopefully you can come back and, 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 and you know, talk the future of soccer with us. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope to see you next time. And uh, thank you for listening.